From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, on this program, we typically talk about the new cars and trucks that are coming out, all the new technology that's coming out with them, maybe some aspects of design or even advanced manufacturing. Today, we've got a totally different topic, one that is not well known within the automotive industry and definitely not outside of it. And that is the philanthropy that the car companies and even most of their suppliers engage in. And I've got three experts to talk about that today, including David Reuter from the Nissan Foundation, who also does a few other things for the company. Pamela Alexander is with the Ford Fund, and Greg Martin is with the GM Foundation. And great having all of you here to talk all about this. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Pamela, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Yeah, being philanthropic, (laughs) it's nice, it's good, it's the right thing to do. But as a corporation that's got mm-hmm. to answer to shareholders, to Wall right. Street and the like, right, right. what's the value? And I mean, what's the return to the company in being philanthropic? Well, you know, Ford is more than 100 years old, and this is not something new for us. Henry Ford started with community engagement 100 years ago. Our executive chairman, Bill Ford, says a good company makes great products and services. A great company makes great products and services and makes the world a better place. It's about innovative solutions. It's about supporting communities. Ford Fund, the philanthropic arm, was started in 1949, where the company goes, we go. And now as a global company, we recognize how important it is to invest in communities where we go and where we have operations throughout the world. Greg, same question, especially because General Motors has been under, you know, so much pressure for shareholder value and all these things. Yeah, and I don't think we should make apologies of it. The more research we see, customers are predisposed to want to do business with a company that they feel shares their values. When we look at our employee surveys, uh, workplace of choice, employees want to be proud of the company that they work for. So this is really good uh, for the bottom line. It brings new customers in and it retains some of our best employees. David, same question. Yeah, I think Greg nailed it. I mean, uh, you know, you, you certainly have um, customers, uh, people in your communities that uh, that you want to endorse your brand and, uh, and and buy your products. But from an employee standpoint, um, so much of what we do is about enriching the lives of our employees and the communities where we're at. And so this gives us an opportunity to do that. We put our money in the communities where we have operations, where we have big uh, employee populations. And uh, our surveys come back and tell us the exact same thing. Employees feel so much better about working for companies uh, who they know are doing good things in the community. Well, Greg, you mentioned, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say it's a, great, it's a great topic, John, because for, for all of us that were familiar with the, 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 really the deep-seated troubles that the industry went through in 2008, uh, trying to picture what would have happened to this, to this state, to the city of Detroit, had, had the industry collapsed. Uh, when you look at the foundation, this is really the heart of the companies. This is, these are the companies going in and serving and improving the communities uh, where they do business. And, and it gets lost in that when you're, when you're enamored with the hardware and the bottom line. So it's a great, to, great to be here and talk about it. Right, and we get that question a lot because it is a cyclical business. And one thing that I think we recognize is that it's really important to be a good neighbor in difficult times. That's when people really need assistance and need help, need job training to be trained for the jobs that are out there. Uh, young ladies need, you know, STEM, young girls STEM. A lot of girls aren't entering STEM these days. Ford's very invested in STEM education uh, for women because it's important that women are exposed to those careers. So it's, it's a very well-rounded approach to investing in communities. So in terms of... Uh, this giving that the company does, 
Does it follow cycles too, or do you want to keep a pretty even keel, whether it's good times or bad? Well, Ford Fund is not an endowed foundation. We are funded annually by the company. So I think that says a lot that even in difficult times, we continue to be funded. So the, the levels do change a bit when the economy is a little more difficult, but there've always been funding. there's always been funding for Ford Fund, so it may change a little bit. Um, some of the levels might be a little bit lower, but we're still there. Mm-hmm. David, uh, same approach at Nissan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have the Nissan Foundation, which uh, actually stemmed, uh, it, it was originated in 1992 following the race riots in L.A., and uh, it's built on a key pillar of education, uh, cultural diversity, and uh, we, put, uh, we put funds in to programs throughout the country uh, to help people um, understand different cultures, uh, understand diversity a little bit better, and by doing that, uh, we found that uh, it really helps people to understand what Nissan is about, and it really um, mirrors what we're looking at in terms of the cultural diversity of our owner base. Uh, Nissan has the most culturally diverse, uh, culturally diverse owner base uh, in the market today. About 38% of our, our consumers are culturally diverse, and so when they see customer uh, companies who are putting money uh, into the communities and, and educating people about that, they feel better about buying a product from us. And you look at, you know, to Pamela's point, cycles will come and go. But when you look at the important work that's being done uh, at the cancer, uh, Carmanos Cancer Institute or the Center for Creative Studies, uh, those needs are there. I mean, this is an investment, a long-term investment, regardless of cycles. Uh, when you look at uh, research needs and investing in in students to hopefully improve their prospects, they shouldn't be beholden to any cycle. So we try to keep a steady state of funding. How do you get this funding then that's being done by the companies? Who, who, who determines what monies are involved and, and how, how do you go and uh, get the money from those entities? <laughs> I'm sure it's the same for, for my colleagues here. I mean, we have a board that uh, represents uh, different aspects of the business and the company. Uh, also the community. So we sit down and we uh, determine what are our key focus areas, what are priorities. We uh, keep a constant dialogue and in touch with a lot of the key key leaders in Detroit and the city, and that's that's how we come about determining. But, but you're talking about a board for the GM Foundation. Correct, yes. Now, do you have to go to GM management or the GM board, or how does that the, the work? Man, the, the support from, from Mary Barr and her leadership team has just been uh, bedrock, and uh, so it's good to have that. Uh, going in. Um, again, we have uh, a cross uh, representation of leaders on the GM Foundation Board that uh, really have some strong relationships within the community. So we have a, we have a direct line on what's needed uh, most, where it's needed urgently, and then the board votes on it, and that's how we, that's how we go about it. Yeah. Pam? And, and for us at Ford, um, it's interesting. A lot of people say, oh, you give away money. We actually consider it an investment. Mm. Um, and much like the other investments the company makes, we are part of the business plan at Ford. So we again, look at our priorities. Um, these are the things that we want to do. We want innovative approaches so that we're constantly adapting to what the community needs. And then we have a five-year business plan just as any other program does in the company. So we have a business plan that's part of the, the company structure, and so it goes to the board each year. Pamela, I want you to explain, too, a lot of people hear about the Ford Foundation. Right. Ford Foundation, right. very well known. <laughs> but Right. Even though it started with money that was given to it right. by, I believe, Edsel Ford. Yes, first. there was some family involvement initially when the Ford Foundation was funded. However, Ford Motor Company Fund is the philanthropic arm of Ford and Ford Foundation, really. Two totally separate two organizations. Two totally separate organizations. Yeah. They're in New York, and we're here in World Headquarters. Some people know that, but I think it's right. still unclear to many, point. so I wanted Absolutely. to ask you about that. And, and David, how do you get your money? Well, um, uh, Nissan Foundation is, is an investment fund that we set up. Obviously, the original uh, monies to start it came from Nissan, and 
uh, over the years it has gained in value and uh, we disperse a certain amount every year. Um, usually it's around seven to $800,000 and we go through a grant cycle uh, at Nissan. So um, uh, entities, organizations that would like us to contribute to their, uh, their charity will actually submit a grant for us to consider. And so we, th we go through this grant cycle, usually every June or July, and, uh, and then we disperse the monies uh, usually in, uh, in the late summer. Greg, uh, how do you determine, I mean, you, you've talked, you've got great relationships with uh, different entities, but how do you prioritize? I mean, what, what are you trying to achieve here? Well, it's difficult, and, and you, you uh, touch on it. One of the most uh, difficult parts of, of this uh, business is prioritizing because it, every, everything's important to the group that you support. But if everything's important, nothing's important. And we look at uh, areas of, of ed education, uh, promoting STEM, science, technology, you know, those skills that could have a direct uh, application to the auto business. What are we doing to cultivate uh, the next generation of engineers that may want to work for us? And then we look at the immediate needs of the community. How can we help uh, Detroit in its uh, ongoing resurgence and renaissance, if you will, uh, to help them uh, not only with infrastructure but to provide the, the schools and the quality of life that not only benefit uh, its residents but also make the area more attractive for uh, prospective uh, job applicants. But I've got to believe uh, you're looking beyond just the city of Detroit, too. I mean, I, as a big corporation. When you look at hundreds of plants uh, around the U.S., uh, we have a, a value at the company to serve and improve the communities and where we live and operate. So we have a program at each of these plant locations around the U.S. of safer, healthier, and smarter. And it's been a great venue for our employees to get engaged. Imagine a thou thousands of GM employees giving back to their community. And you mentioned dealers and suppliers, and I think this is true for, for also Ford and Nissan, that when you look at the scale of the auto industry, it has incredible potential and I think a responsibility to leverage that scale to, to do good things in the, in the community because we touch so many, so many states and so many communities around the U.S. And Pamela, how, how do you determine, okay, there's a crying <laughs> need out there. I'm sure people can hit right. you up for money right. all the time. We get that question a lot. You know, we have four pillars at Ford Fund. Education, uh, teen driving safety, our driving skills for life program, community need and community life. Our fourth pillar would be volunteerism. We, we have an amazing volunteer core. So we provide grants in those areas, but we are a global company, so our grants are global. So it's everything from a well for fresh water at our Chennai plant in India, to our new Ford Resource and Engagement Center uh, in Southwest Detroit. And as was mentioned, it's also our dealers. Excluding what we do at Ford Fund in 2014 alone, our dealer body invested $100 million wow. in community Jeez. organizations wow. um, throughout the U.S. So it, it's really a partnership approach. Well, we're doing so much, but we have to give credit to our dealers, of course, because they're out there in the communities every day with huge investments. In the and, and what does the, the Ford Fund itself give, irrespective Ford of Ford Fund was approximately uh, $40 million yeah. in 2013, we reported. And Greg, GM? Uh, over the past decade, nearly a quarter of a billion dollars right. uh, in the U.S., and most of that, uh, over $100 million to Michigan, and, right. and a lot of that right into the city of Detroit. Right. You know, I don't want to be crass talking about, well, how much money did you get? Right. But people want to know. I mean, right. they want to know what, what's numbers. the scale of what you're numbers. talking about. Since we started, we're roughly $1.5 Man, that's a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. Uh, um, 
Also, David, you guys have a sort of a subset that you call Nissan Neighbors. Talk a little bit about that program, because yeah, I'm so, not that familiar with it. So separate from the foundation, we have Nissan Neighbors, which is about a 3 and a half to $4 million a year um, uh, giving plan. And we go into the communities where we have plants, where we have big facilities. Detroit is one example of that. Uh, we have 1,200 employees here in Farmington Hills. And, uh, and, and we are giving to organizations small and large uh, with that contribution. Probably the biggest um, pot of money goes to Habitat for Humanity, um, which we have about a million and a half dollars a year uh, connection with Habitat. Uh, that started in 2005, uh, coming out of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we gave 50 Nissan Titans to the, to the humanitarian relief uh, down in, uh, in Louisiana, and uh, that has just gotten stronger and stronger, and uh, we continue to, uh, to, to foster that relationship. Greg, you had mentioned employee involvement, and I, I keep seeing things that in panel, I'll get to you in a second, because it's right. the same thing. Right. Your employees love to pitch in, especially on projects like Habitat for Humanity. Well, I, I think our employees are a secret weapon. Uh, when you look at 3,000 employees last uh, summer that I think cleared out 170 square acre, 170 blocks in the Cody Rouge uh, neighborhood uh, in downtown Detroit, they're gonna do it this summer in the Osborne neighborhood through um, Life Remodeled. When you look at uh, over 1,500 dealers over the course of a decade that donated more than 2 million car seats to families in need that, that young people are, are properly restrained. I mean, this is really the, the heart, the, the face and the voice of the company. It's, it's, it's the company beyond the numbers, beyond the sheet metal. And, and again, it, it really, uh, I think, solidifies our, our position uh, in the community in this, this country. Pamela? Right. No, the, the Ford Volunteer Corps is something that's really, like you said, it's part of our heart at Ford Motor Company. It's actually part of when you become a new employee at Ford. That's one of the things you hear about on your first day, is this is how you can become involved because it's so important to our employees. Um, it's on six continents and dozens of countries. We have uh, a global week of caring in, around September 11th, uh, generally around that date, where our employees from around the world will engage in hundreds and hundreds of projects. And then we have Accelerate Action Days. I mean, just thousands of hours that our employees uh, put into the community through our Ford Volunteer Corps. It's, it's an amazing, amazing part of our company. Greg, same thing? GM doing this on a, on a global basis? We do. I mentioned our plant city grant program of safer, healthier, smarter. Uh, we have employees that are not only uh, helping rehabilitate neighborhoods, but giving them their time mentoring young, young right. students, uh, volunteering, uh, you know, at at dealerships and car safety seat inspection. It's, again, it's, it's, it's such a heartening part of, of, of the business, but it goes and says a lot to who we are as a company. And David, I got to imagine Nissan does the same sort of thing. I yeah, we do. Uh, you know, it's it's all under a, a bigger umbrella of something called blue citizenship uh, for Nissan. But uh, you know, in in so many ways, humanitarian relief is uh, is one of the pillars that we operate under globally. And uh, you look at the uh, Tohoku earthquake uh, back in 2011, all the way to what happened in Haiti, um, to some of the natural disasters that have happened here in the United States. And uh, we've had employees come from all over the world to help uh, uh, employees in those other markets rebuild some of their, uh, you know, some of their communities, and uh, it's, it's created a great atmosphere. 
how do you measure your your success? I mean, you sure you're giving out all this money? Do you keep going back to the same places, or what do you do to make sure that you're really getting the return that, or that they're spending the money wisely? It's a really good question because um, it's really easy, I think, to just look at what you've always done and just sort of check the box and, and say, okay, we're going to give to the same, uh, you know, the same organizations that we always have. Um, we do have a, a checks and balances uh, process that we go through. We analyze, uh, you know, how the programs are developing, what impact the funds we're putting into these communities is having. Uh, both on our employees and on the communities themselves. And, uh, you know, from our standpoint, we talk to our employees a lot. Um, one, of the, one of the greatest stories I ever heard was uh, we had a gentleman who built cars for us down in Canton, Mississippi, had never left the state of Mississippi, and we sent him on the Carter Work Project uh, through Habitat for Humanity down to Haiti to build homes uh, for, uh, you know, for people who had had their, their lives taken away uh, in the earthquake. And he came back with stories and a, a new focus on life that, uh, that he was just telling everybody about. And uh, it was just an amazing experience to see it. It's a good trend that, I, that, that, I'm, that I'm seeing it. There are uh, really, good, really good firms out there that are trying to quantify this and measure it in a very, let's say, forensic-like manner. And we've engaged them. It's not simply uh, enough for us to say, this looks good, and this seems to be the right thing to do. It. How do we measure that and make sure that the outcomes uh, whether it's putting a number of students through school, whatever, really measure up to what we're doing. But at the end of the day, it, it's not—it's not as gratifying. I was—I've been lucky enough to travel around the globe. I was down in uh, Colombia, and there's a program that takes. Uh, uh, prospective students in really hard-hit areas and, and teaches them automotive skills. And to see that person given the opportunity to, to, to you know, uh, better their, their lot in life, you will, working for General Motors is, is gratifying, very gratifying. And Pamela, how do you measure success? You know, and it is interesting because some some programs are more easy to measure. We have a uh, the dealers have a program, Drive for Your School, where they provide funding to schools for test drives. Has since it started seven years ago, provided twenty five million dollars directly to schools. And in these days of school cuts and things like that, you can't see necessarily directly. You know, okay, well, this many students did this, but that's important. Uh, we know, for example, at our Ford Resource and Engagement Center, two thousand people had their tax returns done that wouldn't have been able to because of our free tax service. Um, so there's any number of ways that we measure. We are constantly looking at impact, and we're always changing. Um, for example, we just launched a program for female veterans because one thing that has been made, um, made been made aware to us is the need of for help for female veterans coming out of service, their unique needs. So we literally just started a program based on that metric. Okay, we're having success with these reboot programs for veterans, but let's target now women because they have specific issues. And so we will be tracking those women to see, okay, how many of them are able to enter the workforce? How many of them are able to, you know, based on the needs they identified coming into the program, succeed in this program for female vets? Do you ever run into situations where you go, dang, here's a great need. <laughs> these people have got a great story, but they don't fit into the pillars of what we're trying to achieve. You know, we, we try to look at things, everything from basic needs through economic empowerment, job training, to quality of life as we look at community needs. So we have certain things, for example, we do not fund animal programs, for example, or religious organizations, if you look at our website. Um, but there are so many different ways to, to view education. You know, sometimes education is a scholarship so a child can go to school. Sometimes it's a program for elementary reading to get you up to the correct reading level. And sometimes it's a scholarship to help that senior in college pay the last $5,000 they need to play or $2,000 or 500 so they can get their diploma and then work. 
So there's just such a broad range of need out there that, that we're very proud that we're able to have an impact in any number of ways. Those are actually the hardest conversations right. to have. Yeah. But if you're consistent and disciplined with what right. your objectives and your pillars are, at least you have a foundation to, to say, no, I'm sorry, this doesn't, this doesn't fit. Yeah, it right. uh, you know, comes into the, the old phrase, you can't water all the flowers. Right. And uh, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, health and wellness is, is a pillar that we don't support at Nissan. We do education, we do environmental, we do humanitarian, and we get a lot of requests to, to fund organizations from a health and wellness standpoint. And uh, it, is one, it is always a tough discussion, but it's just not something we do. What's the biggest change that you've seen since uh, getting involved in doing this, Dave? In terms of, uh, in, in, in overall, in terms of what well, the you know, impact just, is? What have you, lessons learned. What mm -hmm. have you thought, hey, this is really good, this works, and maybe here's things that we shouldn't be doing anymore? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing that we've noticed is uh, people do notice. Um, communities notice, employees notice when the company is supporting organizations uh, that, that are in need. And uh, it helps the way that, that individuals feel about working for Nissan and it helps uh, customers about how they feel about purchasing from Nissan. Greg, lessons learned? I think we're going to continue to see um, a more of an emphasis on matching programs to very, um, very clearly measurable and identifiable outcomes. And it's simply not going to be doing good just to, because it feels good. Uh, I don't think that there's uh, any reason to apologize when you look at the demands of not only the community but, but other stakeholders that there needs to be something uh, that ties back to the bottom line, what's good for business, again, bringing in new customers and keeping your best employees. Pamela? I think uh, the expansion to be, become global has been a, a big change for us over the past several years. Um, and also, I think we have become much more program-based. I think there was a time, especially in corporate philanthropy, where grants tend to be very much more general operating, not just you know with a lot of companies. And, and a lot of us, and especially at Ford, we are really targeting it so that we can have a community impact. It's about maximizing mm -hmm. impact and really helping communities. So I think that there's been a shift away from the kind of the more general funding that used to be provided. And if I gave you, you know, I, I, if I waved the magic wand right. and said, now you can go out and do whatever you want to do. What, what kinds of things would you love to see your organization push into? Mike, is that for me? Yeah, sure. Oh. <laughs> we'll start with you. I'm sorry. I put you on the spot, but that's okay. You know, I think we have, uh, with our driving skills program, we have a great program. We have great core programs. We have signature programs in each of our core areas. So I would really like to just see them expanded and grow to reach as many as possible. Our driving skills for life program, our teen driving program, is our number one global program. We cannot do that in enough places, and you can't make enough teens safe on the road. And especially as you look in some countries like India and China, you're talking about new drivers. They may not be teens, but they may be new, may be new to drivers driving a car. So I think I would, I would really stick with our core programs. I think we've got those right. Um, I just expand them even more, more okay. reach. Okay, Greg, I'm waving the magic wand for you as well. I think when we look at this, uh, this new generation that's entering the workforce that would be post-secondary um, uh, college level, that uh, what can we do to help them uh, have a clear line of sight to uh, where they can meaningfully contribute to the economy. I, I, I think, and I see this around the globe and in, 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 in certainly in our travels, that you have a generation that's coming out and their prospects seem, seem somewhat dim uh, based on current economic conditions. Uh, what can we as a company give them uh, not only the set of technical skills, but those professional skills that really engineer them for success, if you will, get them into the economy, get them, getting them uh, to meaningfully contribute and then turn, you know, buy, buy cars and, and, and live, the, live the dream, if you will. And I think, that's, I think that's one of our challenges going forward. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually exactly what, uh, what we're looking at as well at Nissan. Uh, just last week, uh, Thursday, we made a, about a quarter of a million dollar donation to uh, six uh, historically black, black uh, college and universities in, in Mississippi where we have a factory. And uh, those monies are going to go directly to STEM education, uh, to robotics programs. And to get those, those young people interested in those technologies is going to possibly give us an opportunity to employ some of those, uh, those students longer term, keep them in the state, uh, Congressman Benny Thompson, who, uh, um, who we work with very closely on that donation, um, loved the fact that we might be able to keep some of those individuals in the state of Mississippi and keep them into manufacturing jobs moving forward. Pamela, you had mentioned how, how much your dealers give as right. well. Right. And uh, is there a way that you coordinate with right. other stakeholders, whether it's supplier companies? Because I know a lot of the big supplier companies give a lot, right. too. And as right. you mentioned, the dealers, any sort of coordination? In, well, in we actually have a program. We have an internal name called Operation Better World, but it's a, a new program. We, well, it's not as new. It's seven or eight years old now, where we partner with our dealers in select cities in 25 cities throughout the U.S. to do targeted philanthropy based on community needs. Uh, the dealers are very much in, involved. I was uh, just with one in Kansas city where we were saluting unknown unsung heroes in Kansas City but for example our, our dealers in the Pacific Northwest in addition to uh, supporting hunger programs in five states as a unified group um, they collected peanut butter last summer because the, the it's not just about the money but they're also just putting uh, their heart into it collected peanut butter because the, the um, food hubs said over the summer kids don't eat and peanut butter keeps <laughs> so they collected thousands and thousands of jars of peanut butter um, and donated it to food banks so that the kids at the end of the school year could take it home and they did at least have something to eat for part of the summer. So it's, it's $100 million is a tremendous amount of money. But through our Operation Better World, as we call it internally program, we're also working with dealers in 25 cities throughout the U.S. to do targeted philanthropy based on their on the ground. I want their, their opinions and, and their thoughts on what the community needs. And I'll hasten to add, peanut butter's got a lot of good protein exactly. in it, too. Exactly. <laughs> it's healthy. It's got protein. There was a lot of peanut butter being stored Great. at dealerships Great. Last Real summer. quick, we're down to the very end. Do you guys coordinate with dealers yeah, and others as well? Absolutely. Any servicemen or women watching, they are our force multiplier. And they know what's important to us, and they go out, and uh, they're terrific partners. David? Yeah, same thing. Our, our 1,200 Nissan dealers uh, love it when we involve them in the, in the uh, CSR operations because uh, they, they are able to put money right back into their communities, which draws customers right back into their showrooms. It's a great story. David Reuter from the Nissan Foundation, Pamela Alexander from the Ford Fund, and Greg Martin from the GM Foundation. want to thank you all. Great having you on here. Great Thanks. story. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did.